If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Galatians this morning. Today and next Sunday, I am going to preach a couple of passages that I pray changes River Bend. I pray that these passages, that these sermons, that God would speak in such a way that it would change River Bend. Galatians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 15. For those that are in the room this morning who are believers in Christ, who are believers in Christ, The one thing that you and I need more than anything else is to grasp this. What we're talking about today and what we will look, Lord willing, at next week, if you and I would grasp this, we'd be different, folks. Hernando would be different. Your workplace would be different. Your house would be different. Your car with just you in it would be different. This morning, I want us to spend some time in Galatians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And yes, I know that I say that about a lot, but truly it is. And I know that I say that about a lot. And it's not just my favorite because I'm preaching on it today. It is my favorite because of what it says to us. I'm going to start in verse 15. I'll go down through verse 20. I'm going to state a couple of statements about the the paragraph or about the passage. And then I am going to jump into the sermon, which I have titled... The three eyes of life. The three eyes in life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul records these words. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know. We know that a person is not justified by works. They're not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith. In Christ, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Verse 17, but... If in our endeavor to be, in, to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Here's the verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
would you speak this morning? Would, would your word come forth? God, would you show every man, every woman, every student in this room God, would you begin, even now, would you begin to, to peel back the layers, the depth of this verse so that I might see where I truly stand. We might see us. How we are breathing right now. How we are living this day our lives and Father, how you desire for us to breathe, how you desire for us to live, how you desire for us to walk today and future days. God, may you receive honor and glory for you are due those in everything. May you receive them from this place and from this platform today, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you look at these verses, just trying to give you a context of what is going on as Paul is writing to a church in Galatia, which is a region of Asia Minor, or we would call it Turkey today, but in that region... There was a section of, of towns called Galatia, and he writes this letter, and it is a circular letter, meaning that it went to one body of believers, then it would go to another body of believers, but all in this region. And he wrote this to them because he had received word that there were some issues, and the issues that came to him were some of this, the Jews thought that yes, they had believed in Christ, but now they had to live under the law. And he said, certainly not. And he's combating that as he writes chapter 2 of Galatians. And in that argument that he makes, he says this in verses 15 through 20. He says, you and I are not justified. We are not justified. We are not looked at as if we are just, or we are not looked at by God as if we had no sin or we hadn't done anything wrong because we were keeping the law. We were not justified by anything that we do or that we have done. But he says, you and I know that we are justified through faith in what Christ has done or what Christ did. That's how one is justified. And then he makes this statement in this passage. He says, I died to the law. I died to the old way of life. Why? So that I might live to God. And he closes in that verse 20, just this statement before we get into the meat of the sermon. The old man is crucified. 
The new man is alive. Christ is life. I live by faith. I live by belief. I live by trust in someone or something. That someone or something is Christ for Paul. Jesus gave himself up for you. Jesus gave himself up for me. So there's the context of this passage. There's a couple of snippets of why he was writing it and what he was saying as he wrote it. And now I want us to spend the next few moments looking at the three eyes, the letter I, the three eyes of life. I number one, the old I is dead. The old I is dead. How many of you like change? Let's just change. Let's just change up our routine. Let's just change up how we go about our day. How many of you like change? We have two people in here that, that would almost raise their hand. They almost got it past their nose to say, yeah, I like change. Well, guess what? This morning in our sermon, we're going to have a change. Okay. So for the past year, we have been putting on the uh, bulletin, a memory verse for the month. And for the past 11 months and three and a half weeks, I have failed to draw our attention to that as you have noticed, and now it's just like at the bottom of your bulletin. Although there is not one this morning, am I right? I hadn't looked at the bottom. There's not one this morning. And so here's what we're going to do. Since it's a new Sunday, it's going to be on the screen for this week. And every point, I've got three of them. We're on point number one. We're going to say the verse. Don't y'all love me? Yes, it's awesome. It's good stuff. So let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You can look at the screen or you can look at your translation in front of you, but here's what the verse says. I'm going to say a phrase, then you can say it back to me, okay? Okay? Okay, yeah. We need to move forward if we want to eat lunch today, right? So here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. The old I is dead. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Guy King, preacher in the first half of last century over in England, stated this about the old I. Stated this about the old man. The old man is the man of old. The man I used to be, the poor, the unregenerate person that once was but no longer is. The old man, 
that Paul is speaking of in Galatians chapter 2 to you and me today is dead. For every single person in this room that has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you, sir, ma'am, are dead. You have no rights. You're dead. You have knelt before the King of glory and you have died. The old I is dead. The old man is the man of the flesh, the man of the world, the woman of the flesh, or the woman of the world, the unregenerate you before you knew Christ. For some of us in the room, it's hard for us to remember that person, possibly because of the age that you and I came to know Christ. Or possibly it is hard for you or me to remember that person because of the length of time that it was since the moment that you accepted him to this moment today. But the old man is dead. Three places in scripture that Paul writes concerning this old man where he is spoken of or spoken about. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 down through verse 11 is spoken of the old man. Let me read for us. I believe that uh, the verses will be on the screen. Let me start in verse 5. It says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. Pause. You too, River Bend, once walked in sexual immorality. You too once walked, River Bend, in impurity, in passion, in evil desire. You too, Brian, once walked in covetousness, which is idolatry. You too, put your name there. We once walked in these things. Continue in verse 7. When you were living in them. But now... But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And then listen to verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, the old man with its practices, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Paul, writing to a close neighbor of Galatia, that is to the church in Colossae, said, hey church, you've got to put off the old man. If Colossae is ever going to see Jesus, church in Colossae, you've got to put off the old man. If Hernando's ever going to see Jesus, you have to put off the old man. If DeSoto County, if Tate County, if Northwest Mississippi, if Memphis is ever going to see Jesus, you and I must put off 
the old man. He is dead. The old eye of life is dead. The old man is dead. Therefore, do not put on those clothes anymore. Let me give you an illustration. What if you came in to breakfast one morning? We'll pick on the, uh, on the, on the guys in the room because I are one. Men, what if you came into breakfast in the morning and your wife just as she does every single other morning, she has fixed you a great spread of bacon and eggs and everything. No toast is burnt. It is glorious. It's just another Monday. Quit looking at your wife. And when you walk in, listen, when you walk into the room, immediately she says, uh, uh, Hey, honey, I think you have on one of those old shirts. I think you need to go back into the bedroom, into the closet, and you need to take off the old shirt and the attitude that you have when you walk into that room, and you need to remember who you are as a new man. She's not talking about, in that sense, about any shirt, whether it's plaid or stripes or checked or got holes in it. No, she's talking about spiritually who you are. And how you entered a room. Question. If that happens tomorrow morning, how will you respond? Students, if it happens that you walk into the kitchen tomorrow morning before school and you have a terrible attitude because... No other reason, it's Monday and you have to go to school. And mom or dad says to you, hey, change your attitude because that shirt that you've got on stinks. And that's dead. And you're no longer that. How are you going to respond? If it were to happen at 34 Tanner Cove where I live, either one of those options there would probably be a small mushroom cloud that is growing because we don't like to be called out in our wrong, especially in the moment that we are wrong. So before it happens, let me call us all out in our wrong. Change your shirt. That guy is dead. There is no way that you or I would go and spend the energy with a shovel and dig six feet under, open a casket, take off a shirt, a skirt, a coat, a suit, and then put it on and wear it. It just would not happen. Yet you and I do that every single day spiritually. And you and I must remember that the old man is dead. So don't put on his clothes anymore. Not only do we see that we're not supposed to put on his clothes because the old man is dead. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Let me read for us verse 17 down through verse 24. It states this. Now, 
This I say to testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous. Sir, do you have a hard heart today? Ma'am? Has your heart become callous today? Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self, put off the old man which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 4. Put those things off, sir. He is dead. Put those things off, ma'am. She is dead. The old I for every single one of us who have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, he or she is dead. And then he drives it home in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Just as a reminder, likewise, likewise, consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. Students, if you have accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, you're dead. No longer live in sin. The time that you have spent thus far as a teenager is time enough in sin. Don't sin or live there any longer. Sir, ma'am, the time that you have spent in sin, decades, it's enough. Don't live there any more. You're dead. The old I is dead. Second point this morning. And I'm so thankful that Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 did not stop with, I have been crucified with Christ. And that period ended the verse. The second point this morning is this, the new I is alive. The new I is alive. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 states this, remember we're having a conversation right now, I'm going to say a phrase, you're going to say a phrase, right? I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. The new I is alive. The old I is dead, the new I is alive. 
Do you think that the Christian life is an easier life than the life of the unregenerate? Do you think in the day that you live, in the places that you live, in the house that you live in, the, the time period that you live, do you think it's easier for you to be a Christian than it is than it would be for you to be a non-Christian? There's been a number of times that somebody has come up to me and after they have accepted Christ, they have lived a little while and said, man, it is hard. The Christian life is hard. Amen, you get it. So let me give you an illustration. You're in a river, you're in a canoe in the river. It seems as if you are just sitting still. For the longest time, you have seen the same tree, and you have, you have just looked and gazed at that tree, and you have seen it, the colors of that tree. It's, it's autumn, and the colors are changing. You're not in Mississippi, all right? But you're going down this river, and the, the leaves are so pretty. Five minutes pass by, you can still see the tree, but you're a little further down the stream. You know why? Because all along, you're moving, you're in this river. Would it be easier to continue to paddle with the current or against the current? By all means, it's easier to paddle with the current. But now, let's take it spiritually. You are now not of this river. You are against the river. You are not of this world. You are opposite of this world. And for the longest time in your life, sir, ma'am, for the longest time, you have been walking right in step with the enemy of God. And now, you have bowed the knee to Jesus. You are seeking to do his will. You are seeking to obey him. And at that moment, you are changing direction. No longer are you going downstream, but now you are paddling upstream. Is it easier or harder to paddle upstream than downstream? It's harder to paddle upstream. You're now in the boat. But the new I is alive. Look what he says there in verse number 20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. Flesh and bone. Meat. Skin. Covered. The life that I'm now living, these 70 plus years that Jesus will give you or me, give or take all 70 of them. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when we're, how long we're going to live. We just have today. Can't go back to yesterday. Not promised tomorrow. But the life that you and I live today, we live with Christ in us. So how can you paddle upstream, sir? Christ. I'm tired. Amen. I'm weary. Got that t-shirt too. I'm sick. I don't want to do it. Got it in multiple colors. Christ in you. His power. His strength moves the paddle. His stroke moves the canoe. The new eye is alive. You are in victory because of who's in you. 
I live in victory because of Christ and all that he's done for me, for you. The new I is alive. The old I is dead. The new I is alive. Let's try to land this morning with our third point. The little I must remain where it's supposed to. Here's our problem. This point today is our problem. The little I, if everyone would take out an index finger and point it right at them, that's the little I that I'm speaking of. Not talking about your neighbor, not talking about your spouse, person in front of you, behind No, I'm talking about you. You. The little I must remain where it's supposed to. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Y'all ready? It's the same day. I hadn't forgot yet. Maybe next week, but, but I hadn't forgot yet. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. The little I must remain where it's supposed to. If you're taking notes, write down the time. 11.03 a.m., January the 6th, 2019. Have I got the right day? January the 6th, 2019. I'm about to share with you the one person at River Bend who needs to leave. The one person at River Bend who has given River Bend, the most trouble in all the days that River Bend has been in existence. You're like, Brian, you're about to run some folks off. This, this person needs to never walk in the door again. This person has caused River Bend not to grow. This person has been the one who has been complacent the most, lazy the most, have set out in front of everyone, no urgency to be in the community. This person has hindered the ministry at Riverbend more than any other person or entity, I believe even more than Satan. And that person is me. It's me, the old Brian Tillman. When I get on the throne, stop everything. And for you to sit there and look as you do, you must understand that the old you stops everything more than anybody else. 
more than Republicans or independents or Democrats, more than this race or that race, more than this person in a status or that person in a status. The old you, when you allow him or her to be on the throne, you and I stop everything spiritually. So the old you, or as I stated in the point, the little I must remain where he or she is supposed to remain. I don't know how many times I've stated it from the platform, but I keep going back. There was a a message that came across Twitter from uh, an acquaintance of mine, a mentor from afar of mine, from a pastor over in Georgia, Michael Catt, and um, he and I have discussed things back and forth some, but he stated the, the one person that needed to change the most at Sherwood in 2019 was him. Put that out on Twitter a couple of days ago. And um, he reminded me, that statement reminded me of a quote that I have stated here. I know on one occasion, if not multiple occasions, but one of my favorite pastors of old, Robert Murray McShane, who lived in the 1800s, who died at the ripe old age of 34, stated this, the thing my church needs more than anything else is for me to be holy. The thing that Riverbend needs more than anything is to see their preacher set apart as an example so that they might could walk there too. The little I, oh, the little I in life must remain where? He or she is supposed to. Ma'am, this morning, the little eye of your life so wants to get on the throne right now. Sir, the, the little eye of your life sometimes demands to be on the throne. Question, what will you do in 15 seconds when you're tempted to get on the throne? What will you do this afternoon when you're tempted? That little eye in life is tempted to get back on the throne. What will you do? When you wake up tomorrow morning and you see that you are the one that is on the throne of your life, how will you respond? What will your next step be? Will you stop? Would you repent? Would you live... Right. Would you live right? How am I to live right? 
Galatians 2.20. The old man has been crucified. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is to live so that you and I might too live. Oh, that you and I would do just that. Hernando, DeSoto County, our families, they need us to live that way. This morning we are going to uh, have a couple of songs. Just a time of worship. Time of response. Maybe you need to come forward to the altar. Maybe you need to talk with me. I'll be more than happy to talk with you, pray for you. But more than that, it's a time of reflection, a time for you to, to focus on Him and what He is desiring to speak to you. He has spoken. The old man is crucified. For those who know Him, who know Christ, the old man is dead. For those in the room that don't know Jesus, He desires for you to come and die so that He might live. In and through you. He died for you so that you might live. Would you please know that today? That is the gospel. That is the good news that Jesus loved you so much to die for you so that you might live forever and ever with Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you don't change. That when I'm unfaithful, you remain faithful. That when the qualities that Paul wrote, out, wrote about in Romans, in Colossians, in Ephesians, in Galatians, in Colossians, when, when he wrote any of those passages of things like the fruit of the flesh, when I have those, when they are seen in my life, you are faithful. Thank you. Lord, I am reminded afresh and anew this morning that it is your kindness, as Paul wrote in Romans, it is your kindness that leads us to salvation. Not just salvation the first time, but salvation every single day. God, may this body, may I, may I know that the old man is dead, the new I is alive, and may I stay where I'm supposed to stay so that you might be glorified. Father, would you speak and would you draw people to yourself? You work as we stand and as we sing, Father, you work in Christ's name, amen.